You're listening to the Together Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on Together Church, you can visit our website at wearetogether.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome, Together Church. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here. Again, from Sarasota, Florida. Thomas Phelps is my name. I'm originally from Jacksonville. There's where the Gators connection come from. Um, So SEC man. But... Uh, and thank you to those watching online as well. Thank you for being a part. Today we're going we're gonna to talk about Jesus and his disciples in a time when he had just finished doing a lot of miracles. So he had just healed a man of leprosy. He was casting demons out of people. Uh, his, you know, Simon Peter, one of the disciples, his mother-in-law had a really high fever and was in bed sick. He, he went to her house, healed her. She immediately got up and made food for them, which I thought was really neat. Um, and if any of you have ever seen The Chosen, this series on TV, one of those episodes, I'll give it away, is that episode. So it's really neat to see that sort of in a TV film production. Um, but he was doing all that, casting out demons, healing the sick. Also at the same time, he was teaching the crowds. So at this time, the disciples were still trying to figure out more and more of who Jesus was. Is this the Messiah? Is this the guy that's going to come sort of, you know, take over the Romans? And uh, so they were still figuring everything out. Uh, And he was teaching them all about the parables as well. We know Jesus taught in parables. That's why we teach in stories today. Jesus taught them, so why shouldn't we? Uh, So he was telling about the the mustard seed parable. Some of you may have heard of that. And then the farmer scattering seeds. He was going through all of this at this time where we pick up in Matthew chapter 8. He was exhausted mentally and physically at this point. But go ahead, turn in your Bibles to the first book of the New Covenant, Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 8, starting in verse 23. And before we read, let's pray. God, I come to you now and I thank you so much uh, for who you are. God, we thank you first for you. We honor you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and speak. And I pray that it will be none of me and all of you. Lord, Holy Spirit, that you'll just move and work in the lives of everyone in this room today and everyone online as well. God, we just thank you so much that we live in a country where we still can worship you freely. And I just pray that you will just move in a mighty and powerful way this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, let's look at Matthew 8, starting in verse 23. It says, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. Today's title, if you would, I don't know if you're familiar with doing this or not, but if not, we're going to stretch you a little bit today. All right, I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell him this title. Get in the boat. There we go. All right. Again, I don't know how familiar you are with talking talking back or talking to each other, but we're going to try a little bit of that today, stretch you a little bit. We passed a little church sign on the way here. We came from Myrtle Beach down here this morning. So we're passing a lot of these little teeny church signs everywhere, you know, and that's always fun to look at. And one of them at one of the intersections was uh, be like a rubber band and stretch your faith. So I thought that was pretty nifty. Um, so we're going to stretch you a little bit today. But before we continue, uh, let's look at what happened before Jesus stepped on the boat. So a large, like I said, a large number of people were following God, following Jesus. And again, these people, they weren't there to figure out you know, whether he was the Messiah or not. They were, they were figuring out, hey, I got a big toe that's hurt. I can get it healed by this guy. Or my grandma's sick. I, 
sounds like an old school Baptist uh, prayer request on a Wednesday night, right? Just a whole list of prayer requests is nothing but my grandma's goiter, right? It's just nothing but healing. So that's what all these people were doing. They were just there trying to get healed of their sicknesses. Um, and there were a couple of them that were like, is this the guy that's going to save us? He doesn't look like this big, strong, powerful dude. Um, but they were there trying to get healed of their sicknesses. And before crossing the lake, which was the Sea of Galilee, and the Bible says the lake, as we all know, is the Sea of Galilee, a teacher of religious law wanted to go. But Jesus knew his heart. And he said this. He said, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. Okay, so following Jesus doesn't mean your life is going to be comfortable. He told him this, and we don't know afterwards whether he still got on the boat or not. So you picture they're on the edge of this Sea of Galilee, of the lake. He's talking to him. The disciples are all getting in the boat ready to go, this fishing boat. And they're all right here, just like you are right here. And this guy comes up, hey, I'll go with you wherever you go. You know, and he said, Jesus said, listen, this isn't a comfortable journey, you know. I don't have any, I'm basically, he's saying I'm homeless. I go wherever people will let me stay. So, I mean, it's sort of different than what we hear nowadays a lot, isn't it? You know, Jesus isn't this thing where we come and we, we just sit and we're apart, and then we leave, and we all have a good time. No, Jesus came to make disciples who make disciples, and that's what we're all about with Ignite Network, making disciples. It's not a comfortable thing. So, again, we don't know whether or not this guy who was right here talking to Jesus, here's the water. We don't know if he got on the boat or not. The Bible doesn't tell us. You've probably heard sermons of this where, where the guy went away, but the Bible doesn't tell us that. We don't know. Either way, we know Jesus made him do a self-check first. You know, when's the last time we've done self-checks in our life? So he was saying, hey, I'm homeless. Do you want to serve me and be homeless with me? And we, again, we don't know whether he got on the boat or not because it says he got on the boat with his disciples. Now, in Matthew the disciples doesn't mean the 12. A lot of times when you're reading the New Testament, you think you see the word disciples, you're automatically thinking the 12. Not in this case. This was still early on in Jesus' ministry, and he had multiple people that were disciples. So this is not the 12 apostles. So there was, if you look in Luke 8, at the beginning of Luke 8, it talks about there was some women, Mary Magdalene and other people, um, which is another reason why I love this Chosen TV show, guys, because it shows all these women in it too, and it's just... It's mind-blowing, really. It opens up scripture for us. Um, so we don't know whether he got on the boat, and it's not going to be comfortable. But this is, I believe this is why so many new believers fall away, because once their comfortable lifestyle is gone, so is their faith. Let me put it this way. And so, again, if you're, if you're a note-taker here, this sermon's going to be a little different for you. The way I preach is basically a whole thought going through, so I don't give you points. I do that on purpose. It's not an accident. I've grown up in church my whole life. I can't tell you how many points I've heard in my lifetime, but yet, does that produce life change? So the way I look at it is, if you can walk out of these doors today and remember one thing I've said and then apply that to your life, imagine if you go to church 52, 52 weeks in the year, right? Imagine you go to church all 52 weeks and you just take one principle from each Sunday. Your life the next year has just changed 52 different ways. But yet, we're still sitting in the same seats over and over every Sunday, and we're still the same person wondering, why hasn't God changed me? So that's why I don't, if you're note-taking, I don't do a lot of one, two, three points. You're just going to have to figure out where I'm going. But this is my first sort of one-liner, one big statement here, if you want to write this down. It is when we are uncomfortable 
that we can be comforted by Jesus. I'll say that again. It is when we are uncomfortable that we can be comforted by Jesus. He told, he told this guy, listen, you can come with me on this boat, but it's not going to be an easy journey. Again, Luke 8, so we're in Matthew. So this, this passage here is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm not going to talk about Mark today, but I'm going to reference Luke a little bit. But you don't need to turn there in your Bibles. We can stay in Matthew. So in Luke 8, Jesus had just finished telling the crowds this by way of the parable of the farmer scattering seed. The seed was God's word, and we are the soil. Some are rocky soil. These people hear God's word and receive it with joy. You know, that you've, ever, you've all seen, maybe you've been that person, you're a new believer, you're excited, you're ready to storm hell with a water pistol, and then what happens? A storm hits, something happens, life happens, and then you never see that person again in church. And you're like, where'd that person go? I thought they were, like, they were serving and everything. It's just, we have, we're all different soils, and so we're all striving to be that fresh, good soil. Um, but some are rocky and some fall away. And there is a very good chance that this religious teacher that we're talking about that asked God, hey, I wanna, I'm going to be with you wherever you go, he was probably there and heard this parable just a few minutes ago. Um, and so next, we come to a guy who wants to be home, goes, he wants to go home and bury his father. He says, hey, God, I want to serve you and be with you, but yet let me go home and bury my father first. Now, we don't know whether or not uh, this guy was even dead. So, because Jesus tells him, he says, uh, sorry, this man, he, said he told him to go, let me see, I'm going to get to the verse here, sorry about it. So, where am I at? The wind got, the wind got me here. All right. He said in uh, verse 21, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus said, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. So there's many scholars, biblical scholars, theologians that believe that this guy's dad wasn't actually dead yet, that he was just old and dying, and it could be a year or two years. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I understand that your, your father may be ill, or, and he, he called him spiritually dead, which means he wasn't a believer. But he said, if, if you're going to follow me, I need you to follow me now. And he said, let, let the spiritually dead bury their own people. Um, which sounds harsh, especially in this 2021 culture we live in, right? It's really harsh, but that's what Jesus is saying. If you're going to do something, you've got to do it um, 110%. So we don't know if this man went back home to his dad or if he got on the boat, but we do know he made him do a self-check first. So Jesus was exhausted from all the attention of the people. He went to lay down after he left land. While they were on the boat going to the other side, this big storm came, and there was tons of waves of water coming into the boat. Let's look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake, with waves breaking into the boat. And then look at these next four words with me. This, this, is, this is what, when I was reading this, it just popped out to me. But Jesus was sleeping. But Jesus was sleeping. So we have this big storm, and I'm just, just using my imagination here. Use your imagination as well, but you have the disciples, again, more than just the 12. You have Mary Magdalene and some others on the boat also. And they're on the way across the lake. The storm pops up out of nowhere, like a summertime storm at the beach. just pops up out of nowhere. And I'm just, this again, this is just my imagination. It's not in Scripture at all. But 
it's a fishing boat. So you have fishing nets, you have ropes, you have a sail, uh, all these things going on. So I just picture a couple of disciples rolling up the sail, a couple pulling nets to the sides. So water again is just crashing over this, this boat. And then all of a sudden, one of the disciples, I'm assuming it's probably Peter, because you know Peter, he was the loud mouth of the group. He grabs some ropes to, to put them away, and then he's like, where is Jesus? You know, where is Jesus? And how many times in our life, we're going through a storm, the same thing. It might not be a physical storm, but a storm in our life. You know, a family member has passed away. Huge storm in our lives. We just had to put our dog down a few weeks ago. Not as big as a family member, I understand, but it was still heartbreaking. You know, and it's a storm, and it's like, where is God? It feels like God is sleeping on us, right? And it's, it's not a good place to be in. So they go, they do exactly what we would do. And we, when we were in one of life storms, they ran and said, Jesus, save us. Now, picture this. You haven't prayed to God in weeks or even months, but boom, a storm hits your life, and what do you do? Jesus, I need your help. Save me. I might not make it through this storm. A stat from Bridges to Recovery states that on average, 16 million adults in America experience clinical depression every year, and the median age for depression is 32. Now, why 32, do you say? Well, again, this is just me, but I believe it's because they're at a point in their life when things should be smooth sailing at this point, right? You feel like when you're in your teens, you're like, oh, when I get to my 20s, I'll figure out, you know, sow my wild oats, and then by the time I'm 30, you know, I'll, I'll be able to settle down and do all this. So 32-year-olds, they're thinking, I should be at this point by now. You know, they're thinking, I should have the marriage and the kids and the career and the house and with the dog and the picket fence and all that. But they don't. And so they become sad. I believe sadness still exists in the world. And then that sadness not, not uh, being dealt with turns into a depression. And then you also have the people who do have all those things in their 30s and in that age range, and they think they should be where they're supposed to be, and they're all happy, but they're not. And so you have the sadness and the depression from that aspect as well. And so we still are, are just living with our parents. We have no boyfriend or girlfriend. And again, this is a blessing if you're this person. You don't have any kids, right? If you're living with your parents and you don't have any kind of significant other, it's good not to have any kids at this point, right? So the whole time God seems distant like he is slipping, sleeping. I'm here to let you know today, Jesus is still in control. Your storm may seem too big to handle, but as a believer, Jesus has the authority and the power to remove the storms in your life. Now, I have a personal, personally seen God move a physical storm, which is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, it was 2011. Uh, the church we were at at the time was supposed to go down to Haiti. Um, actually, they were supposed to go to Cuba. Didn't, didn't make it to Cuba, went to Haiti instead. And my father-in-law was on this trip with 12 other people. So there's 13 of them down in Haiti. First time any of them had ever been to this part of the, of the world. There was a tropical storm, one that just sort of just came through here not long ago, teetering on that Hurricane 1 status. And it was headed straight for them. Now, if you know, don't know anything about Haiti, which I think you do because you have a pastor who's adopted from there, uh, but it's the poorest country in the world, so they don't have power and, and a lot of things most of the time. So uh, my father-in-law couldn't get back to us to let, him, let us know what was going on. We couldn't get a hold of him to let him know 
what was going on with this storm. So we just all started praying, 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 praying. The storm seemed to be getting stronger. And then literally, guys, out of nowhere, right before it started to hit the Dominican Republic, Dominicans on the right side, Haiti's on the left side of the same island, right before it started to hit, this storm, no joke, just disappeared. It didn't, like, break down into a smaller storm, like a tropical storm, little one, or, you know, or just bite-sized pieces of rain here and there. Like, we were checking the radar. My wife is a weather app junkie. She was constantly on it. I'm telling you, this radar went from a tropical storm to clear skies. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I believe it's all because of the power of prayer and Jesus just removing that storm and keeping people safe on that island. Now let's look at verse 25 and 26. It says, The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Have you ever been terrified and amazed? That's what the disciples were terrified and amazed so Matthew says that they were amazed this is the one part of Mark I'll tell you about Mark said they were terrified Luke said they were terrified and amazed so getting married anybody terrified and amazed when they got married they were like scared to death but also super excited at the same time you know the birth of your child you guys come on I know you guys were terrified and amazed at the birth of your children, especially your first one. Okay, come on. This is, where, this is my talk back time. All right. So, I need to hear, hear you a little bit here. All right. A couple stories about being terrified and amazed. This first one uh, is a little cheeky, but it's fun. Do I have any Star Wars fans in the house? All right. I know, I know we got one right here, too. So, my son Titus is a huge Star Wars fan. We're, we live in Sarasota, so that's like almost two hours from Orlando, from Disney. So we, we make it a day trip, about once a month, honestly, um, not to the parks. We're not pass holders or anything, but we go to Disney Springs and hang out and do a lot of free touristy stuff. So it's a lot of fun. Um, but if a few months ago we decided, you know, we'll, we'll take them to Hollywood Studios because the whole Star Wars thing is going on now. They The whole building process is done. They have all these rides up and going. So... If any of you follow Disney at all, the biggest ride is Rise of the Resistance. And it's this huge walkthrough, just craziest ride Disney has right now. And if you don't, you don't, you don't know me, but what you do know about what you can know about me is I am deathly afraid of elevators. So I wasn't growing up, and then something happened at some point. I don't know what it was. But then all of a sudden, just like a switch, and I was like, uh, claustrophobic. Don't want to be stuck in an elevator. And actually, after this, I got stuck in Miami in an elevator for 30 minutes. So I'm still deathly afraid of elevators. It was like, well, you should be good now. I was like, no, that's not how it works for me. Like, I'm, I'm even more afraid now. Appreciate it. Um, but Disney does a good job of putting you in all these rooms that don't have windows because they want you to feel like you're immersed and you're actually at the Star Wars, you know, town or whatever it is. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I don't know the technical names for it. But so I'm sitting here YouTubing this ride weeks up before we go, like making sure I'll be good. You know, I want to know everything about it. No, I'm knowing like, okay, we're going to be in this room for this amount of time. 
this room for this amount of time. I literally have watched this walk through of this ride 20 times. I know everything about it. So we go in, everything's good. Go first section, yep, good. We go to the next section, we walk, we go inside, the door shuts, and again, we're in this space. Sorry, I'm going to spoil this ride a little bit if you don't know about it, but you can watch it on YouTube. So um, you go in, the door closed behind you, and it's a, it's a simulation type of ride. But on YouTube, it, the video doesn't show, like, the camera shaking because obviously you'd be sick watching YouTube. So I'm thinking it's just the TV screens make you feel like you're flying in space. So we get in, door shuts. All of a sudden, this entire cart starts to shake and move and spin and everything else. And I'm like, okay, I don't remember. I've watched this video 20 times on YouTube. I don't remember this part at all. So I'm a little bit terrified but also amazed because it's Disney, and I'm like, I'm not going to be okay. It's Disney. But, and, you know, it was just a neat ride. Uh, and then the amazing part of it, after being sort of terrified but not letting my wife or son know, is the door opens up. Where I'm expecting, so I walk in, we walk in, there's a door in front of us, and then the door shuts behind us. So I'm thinking this door in front of us is going to be the one that opens. So immediately, the three of us, I'm like, let's go over here, and we're standing next to the, the door. The ride stops. I'm sitting here waiting, waiting. The door doesn't open. I'm like, great, my worst nightmare come to life again. I look around. The door behind us had reopened. Now, when we walked into this ride, we were outside. We walked into this When the door reopened, we were in a totally different, and we were actually in a room now. Uh, so I was amazed because, like, how they Disney got me. I, how did they do this? I know, no, I'm not going to tell you because I looked it up, but it's pretty crazy. Uh, so I was terrified and amazed all at this ride at the same time, just like the disciples were. Now, you're probably saying, Thomas, Jesus, disciples, Disney, doesn't really balance out. And I'm like, yes, you're right. So let me give you a better example. January 2017, me and my wife, Ginger, are in the adoption process. We had just got uh, our papers and everything set to go over. We adopted our son from Ukraine. Tried here in the States seven, eight times. None of them ever worked out. So we said, let's go international um, and picked Ukraine <coughs> after a long process of figuring out which country to pick. And so we're over there. We get, we, we find our son, and, and it was, it's a crazy process, guys. If you've never adopted or anything like that, the way they did it was they basically handed us a notebook. I mean, a black one-inch binder that had profiles of it, of, of kids in it. So the only thing we had seen of, of our son up to this point, again, we're about to walk into the room um, to meet him for the first time, was his baby picture from 2011. This is 2017. So again, five, six years have, has gone by. We don't know what our son even is even going to look like. We just have this baby picture um, of what he looked like back then. So we're standing in the, this cubby area. So in the, in the orphanage, they had a, a room that had all of their lockers in it, basically. So Ukraine, cold, snow, everything else. So they had all their snow jackets and boots and everything in this first room, and then they all hung out in the second room. So all the kids were in that room in the big play area whenever we came. So me, Ginger, our uh, translator, and some of the other people were, were there. Translator and the director of the place went in to get them. Me and Ginger are standing there waiting. At this point, we're terrified, right? We're like, we're terrified, we're a little amazed, all of the emotions, we're excited, we're nervous, 
everything's just going through, through our heads. Our, our soon-to-be son's about to walk through these doors at any minute. And that's what we thought. We thought he would just walk through the doors. That is not what happened. So we're standing there with some of the other people that work there. Our boy Titus runs out the door. They, they, let the, they open the door. He runs out, and he screams, Mama e Papa! E is and in Russian. He sp- spoke Russian, obviously. So at that point, we're terrified and amazed. We're so t- amazed, my wife just starts bawling, doesn't stand with me. She turns and walks out the door. Like, I was like, where'd she go? Like, so then I was like, should I worry about her or this new kid in front of me that I'm meeting for the first time? So I'm like, oh, she'll be all right. <laughs> so, so pick up pick up our soon-to-be son, Titus, and, and then she gathers herself and comes back in. But it was definitely a time of, of just amazement and a little terrified of, okay, we've been together for all these years now. Now we bring another person into the family, bring him from on the other side of the world back to America. So I can imagine these disciples were terrified. Let's look at uh, Luke. Again, don't turn me to Luke. I'm just going to, it'll be up on the screen. Luke 8.25 says, Then he asked them, Where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. They were freaking out. They couldn't believe all Jesus had to do was speak, and the weather listened. The display of power was proof that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, the disciples knew the Old Covenant stories. Most of the main ones dealt with God and water. So two big ones we know of, Noah's Ark. God flooded the whole earth with water. He used his power with water. The second, some of you might even know even more, is the Red Sea, parting of the Red Sea. So that's God the Father in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, showing his power in water. And so now we're fast-forwarding into the New Testament times. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you're trying to figure out who I am, if I'm from God or not. Here's a good example. God, God the Father used water in the Old Testament. Me as Jesus, God's son, is using water in the New Testament. So it was, it was um, bringing them together. Jesus quieted the sea, and it tied him to God the Father. Another thing to write down here. The people on the shore knew the storm had stopped, but the people in the boat knew why the storm had stopped. I can't take credit for that one. When I was going over this with my wife, that was hers. So I'll give her the credit for that one. The people on the shore, this this will blow your mind if you really grasp this. Really take a second to grasp this thought. People on the shore knew the storm had stopped, but the people in the boat knew why the storm had stopped. You have people all around you that know you've made it through some storms, but they don't know why you made it through that storm. They might see that you've made it through a loss of a loved one or a divorce or anything, whatever your storm is that you can just insert right now. They might see it from the outside, knowing that God put you through it, but they're not sure why. And that's what we can, we can tell people. It's an easy way to show people the love of Jesus. So our mission at heart is to show people the love of Jesus. We want to keep it very simple and straightforward. We want to show people. We don't want to tell people about the love of Jesus. We want to show people the love of Jesus. Let's celebrate today. Thank God for pulling you through. God pulled the Apostle Paul through many storms. It was Paul who wrote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength in Philippians 4.13. I wish we had more of the story, don't you? 
I want to know what happened the rest of that boat ride across the lake. I had a feeling Jesus didn't get any more sleep. Could you imagine? He's sleeping. He wakes up. He says, storm, be quiet. He basically does to the storm what we do as parents to our kids. Like, hey, be quiet. He disciplined the storm just like a kid. And guess what? That storm listened. Hopefully just like your kids do. (laughs) Mine, not so much sometimes. But you see... We are amazed at, when we are amazed at something or someone, we want to know more. We start asking questions. And so I can just picture the storm had stopped. They still had, they weren't there yet. The story doesn't stop. They still had to go across to the other side. So I can just imagine all the disciples were like, whoa, you know, like, how did that just happen? And so they're just, all these people are just drilling questions at them over and over and over again. When we're amazed, that's what we want to do. We ask questions. We try to learn all that we can about them. Think of a time when you've been amazed. Why were you amazed? We get amazed when what we experience exceeds our expectation. We get amazed when what we experience exceeds our expectation. See, these disciples... They ask God to save them, but at the time, they're still trying to figure out if God's the real Messiah or not. If he's just a person, what is he going to do beside with them? These are fishermen. They've been on these boats many of times, been on the Sea of Galilee as their jobs, as their career. So when they're saying they're going to drown, these people aren't just people like first-time boaters. They're like, oh, it's a little water. I'm going to drown. No, these are people that have been out there. They've been in storms. So it's this is a legit concern. And But... but at the same time, think about it. If you were out there with just a person, what we think is just a person, what is waking one more person up going to do? Right? But it was when Jesus woke up, calmed the storm, that he just exceeded their expectation. No matter what that expectation was, he just exceeded it. And so, boom, they're amazed. It was awesome. Think about it. Can you remember the last time you were amazed by Jesus? That season in your life, maybe it was right after you accepted Jesus as your Savior. All you wanted to do was learn about Him. You read your Bible with wide open eyes, soaking up every word. Your prayer life was good. Then something happened. Life happened. A storm happened. A storm happened, but instead of running to Jesus, you tried to weather it alone. Pride gets in the way of humble obedience to the Father. It seems as if the storm will never pass. It just isn't moving. It's like the old cartoons where the clouds just ride over the one character, right? That's how we feel sometimes walking through life. Like we have this cloud just over our heads, just raining on us. It's not raining on anybody else. We're looking at Instagram and Facebook and everything else, seeing everybody's highlight reels, thinking, oh, their life is awesome. They're always on vacation to Disney and Florida and everywhere else. And we're just stuck here doing our thing. That's not the case, guys. Jesus isn't sleeping on you. The disciples ran to Jesus in their time of desperation, and so can we. While Jesus may seem distant at times, and it may feel like he is sleeping, God tells us in his word that he is always there for us. He's like a friend who sticks closer to the brother, the Bible says. Now let's get back to being amazed at Jesus. Now there are still others of you who say, Thomas, I've never had an encounter with Jesus. I've never been amazed at the power of God. Please listen carefully. All Jesus is asking of you is to get into the boat. You're on the shore. He's here. 
He's reaching out his hand. All he wants you to do is get on the boat. He'll take care of the rest. Now, faith isn't seeing the Sea of Galilee, seeing you're right here on this big lake, and a lot of you do stuff on this lake right here behind us, Lake, lake Moultrie. And just imagine you have faith in your boat that's just going to take you wherever you need to go. But true faith isn't going out on a clear day thinking, okay, I'm going to get out and get back. True faith is knowing, hey, there's a storm out there, but I need to get to that other side, and you go anyway. That's true faith. Taking a step out saying, hey, this isn't going to be easy, but God, I know you're in my boat. I'm in the boat with you. And so we're going to go do this thing together. That's true faith. Believing in Jesus doesn't mean you won't have to go through any more storms. You will still have many, many more storms. But you won't be alone. Jesus will be on the boat with you. Each storm is an opportunity to strengthen your faith and to prove to God and to others and yourself that you believe in Him. Looking back at Matthew 8, 22, when he was talking to the man who wanted to go back and bury his father, he said, follow me now. Follow me now. See, we talked a lot about Jesus calming the storm, but what I want you to get out of today is these first two guys right before he got on the boat. Because a lot of times we are those two guys. We're not, we're not the guys on the boat. We're not the disciples. We're the two people asking Jesus, hey, I'll do whatever you say. But then when Jesus asks you to do something big, what do we do? Uh, I'll see you later, Jesus. Or let me go take care of this first. You may have a good, going, a good career going for you. Meanwhile, God is saying, hey, I want you to go do this thing. Your paycheck might be cut in half or worse. And so you're juggling, do I stay with what I'm doing now, making this money? Or do I serve God and do what he wants me to do and trust him with the finances? In church planning, we talk to a lot of different pastors and a lot of different people. And the main thing every church pastor has told me is church planning is probably the hardest thing you're going to do as a pastor. And trust me, they're right. <laughs> it takes faith. And just like we are stepping out in faith to launch Heart Church in Sarasota, Florida, I'm asking you to have faith to just listen to God today. Whatever that may be. I don't know what's going on in your life, but whatever it is, if God's tugging at your heart, it doesn't have to be full-time ministry. You could be serving God, doing exactly what you're doing, but maybe you're just not telling people about Jesus in your role. Maybe he just wants you to open your mouth a little bit more. You'll talk hours and hours with people about sports or fishing or whatever it may be, or girls, whatever y'all talk about. <laughs> Clothes and hats and different things. But when's the last time we've shared our faith with, with others? We've told, told people, hey, do people even know where you go to church? So right now I work at, I work at Lowe's because I've got to make ends meet. It's a very dark, dark spot. But they know that I'm a pastor in the area starting a church. 
And I didn't have to tell people that. They just knew, like, well, how come you don't cuss? Like, why, you seem different. Why are you different? Oh, well, I'm actually here starting a church. Oh, when's the last time someone's looked at you and said, why are you different? So I'm, I came here from Florida just to tell you, if you've never been in the boat, to get in the boat today. That's just asking Jesus to come into your life. If you're in this boat already, if you maybe you've been in the boat with Jesus for years. You've been across the lake hundreds of times. But it's just gotten routine. I pray that you will be amazed at Jesus again. Think about it today as you leave. When's the last time you've been amazed at Jesus? And what can you do to just start being amazed at Jesus? I think one thing is serving. You get... Pastor Robbie gave you a chance to serve. Some of you have seen him do this over and over again for the last three, four years, and yet you still haven't shown up yet. Just take a step out in faith. Say, hey, I might be able to paint. I might be able to build a wall. But you know what we can all do? We can hold nails for the person who can hammer. I didn't know anything about the construction business, and my buddy did cabinetry, and I said, hey, we moved back to Myrtle Beach after being in Texas for a little bit. I said, hey, I need a job. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I don't know anything about anything with cabinets. He's like, I'll teach you. I was with him for six months. By the end, I was building ca- building a whole kitchen by myself. You just got to take that step out. By the beginning, all I was doing was, you need what? You need what? Just being a gopher for him. That's, Jesus, that's all Jesus is asking. Just go be his gopher. Just what he need, whatever he's asking you to do, just go do it. So, for those of you who haven't stepped on the boat yet, this is for you. So, I'm about to lead you in a word of prayer. This prayer is not in the Bible anywhere. All this is is you telling God, "Hey, I'm ready to step onto your boat. I want to be on your team." So, if you would all close your eyes, bow your heads. And just, if you want to get on the boat today, if you want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, again, this doesn't mean you're not going to have any more storms, but what it means is God will be with you in those storms. Just pray this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Lord, I want to get in the boat with you today. Forgive me of my sins. Heal me of my brokenness. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you just said that prayer, there's going to be a welcome desk over there in the hallway. I would encourage you to go after the service and go talk to them. Let them know you made that decision. We'll all rejoice with you. The Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice when one person comes to know him. There's also going to be a prayer team. If you would, talk to that prayer team. Let them know. They'll be glad to pray with you. If you're online, there's a button. Just click that button online that says, I accepted Jesus. And let us know, and we'll be celebrating with you today.